Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Catholics with Bibles, the podcast dedicated to empowering Catholics to read, interpret, and pray with sacred scripture with the eyes of faith and reason. I am your host, Chase Krauss. Let's dive in. Howdy, y'all. Happy week to you, or happy day, or whatever day is week that you're listening to this podcast is. Hope you're having a fantastic one, whatever it is. Uh, a little bit of a crazy time right now with, uh, for you're listening to this this week then you know it's like two weeks away from election day and if you're listening to this after election day then uh you know it happened already so there's that i'm not going to get into politics literally at all during this podcast but it's just the time that we're in um but this is catholics with bibles welcome to the show if this is your first time tuning in uh, usually we start the show with a Greek word of the day, and then we dive into whatever topic or interview or Bible study that we happen to be talking about. We have a couple of awesome guest speakers lined up in the next couple of weeks. Some friends of the show are going to come back on and, and talk about a lot of really cool, fun things. So that's coming up. Looking forward to that. It's going to be awesome. Uh, but today I wanted to give a quick intro and some uh, just overview of the Pentateuch. Right, so our Greek word of the day is actually Pentateuchos. So it's it's you hear the word Pentateuch and the Greek word Pentateuchos, uh, because the word Pentateuchos uh, means uh, five, right? So uh, it's pent, so it's you know pentagon. Um, so the word it's the word five, so five books. So it's the first five books of the Old Testament. So if you don't know, the Pentateuch is how we refer to the first five books of the Old Testament. Um, this word is a super old word. Obviously, it's Greek, uh, but you, we, we have it, its first, you know, kind of reminiscence of people calling it the Pentateuch and referring to the first five books of Moses as the Pentateuch, the first five books, these like very special books, um, you know, around 150 AD or so. And so um, these books were just super common in Jesus's day. I mean, these were like the books of Jesus's day, right? So there was I mean, a lot of different debate in Jesus's day, and there was debate a couple hundred years after Jesus' day amongst um, rabbis about what books were, were were inspired and which books weren't inspired. You know, there there wasn't a Bible in Jesus' day. There wasn't even an Old Testament in Jesus's day. Um, there was different sects of Judaism that believed that different books and different uh, prophet, prophetic writings were considered inspired in Scripture. Um, and so, I mean, you probably know this already. So like, for example, you have the Sadducees who only, only believed that the Pentateuch, the first five books were inspired writings. The Pharisees believe that the Pentateuch plus the prophetic writings, uh, and more or less the whole old Testament that we have now. Um, there's a few books in there that not so much, um, were inspired. You had the Essenes who, um, believe that all of those were inspired plus a few other, uh, books potentially they thought might've been inspired like first Enoch and stuff like that. Um, but anyway, the, the whole point is saying that th there was no clear consensus in Jesus' day of what was inspired scripture other than the Pentateuch. There was, there was no debate, there was no doubt that these first five books were the real deal, right? These, these first five books were inspired, they were written by Moses, or the, so we're going to get into this a little bit, but so everybody in Jesus' day basically believed that they were written by Moses, um, and then Moses was the author, was the prophet, right? So if David was the king, Moses was the prophet, right? And you look at Matthew in particular, Matthew portrays Jesus as the new Moses for a very, very specific reason. Because Matthew 
Matthew's gospel was was written to a Jewish Christian community, you know, arguably, right? Even in the structure of Matthew's gospel, it's broken up into kind of five books where we have Jesus uh, do, uh, doing something and then saying something, doing something, then saying something, doing something, then saying something. And, and it happens five times. So it's like the five books of the Torah. So if you read the gospel of Matthew closely, you see these five sections pretty clearly and it, it ends up, yeah, the gospel of Matthew is presented as the new Torah, or sorry, yeah, the new Pentateuch. Sorry, Torah is another way that they called it the law. So most people, uh, it's synonymous. Torah and Pentateuch are pretty much the same thing. Um, and so uh, the, this, these, these five books, these sacred books, um, were debated still, as of what certain passages means, uh, especially amongst the Sadducees, Pharisees. How do you interpret certain laws and how do they apply um, within the modern context of well, the modern in their day. Um, so let's, let's just talk about it real quick. I'm going to talk about a few different things uh, regarding the Pentateuch. We're not going to talk about every single book in this like 20 minute podcast, obviously. Um, but I do want to kind of briefly give you a, just a general introduction. So all of the books of the Pentateuch and the names that we know them today are actually from the Greek. So the Septuagint, right? So the Septuagint is the, the Greek Old Testament. So that's where all the names come from. So we have uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Um, so Genesis, the word literally means beginning. Uh, Exodus means departure to exit, right? You see that word in there. Uh, Leviticus, just it means the book of the Levites. Numbers, well, it means numbers. Um, <laughs> and then Deuteronomy, uh, it's De- Deuteronomos. Uh, it's so Deuteronomos is second law. Uh, so Deuteronomy is is viewed as like the second law after the original law was given Um to Moses on Mount Sinai in the book of Exodus. Um, so just briefly though, we, we do have uh, Hebrew names for these books as well, not just Greek names. Uh, and so Bereshith is actually what they, what the, what our Jewish brothers and sisters would call Genesis. So Bereshith is, so basically in, in Hebrew, the vast majority, not all, but the vast majority of their books, their, their book's name is really just the first like word or first phrase of whatever book it is. So in Genesis, we have in the beginning, uh, you know, the uh, world was empty and void, right? So Bereshith literally means in the beginning, right? So in the beginning. So that's the book of Genesis. We have uh, the Shemuth, which just means names. And because Exodus starts with the names of so-and-so and so-and-so, blah, 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 blah. Uh, we have, and I'm going to butcher this one, uh, Warakra. Uh, so that, that's the Leviticus. That's what they call Leviticus. It means, and he said, um, then we have for the book of Numbers, uh, Bamad, Bamad Bar, Bamad Bar. Uh, it means in the desert because um, the book of Numbers starts uh, there in the desert. It's the wilderness, right? And then finally, we have the Debarim, which means words, uh, which is a Deuteronomy. So uh, it's words of Moses, so that's second law. So, the, so these are the first five books, right? So this is what we mean by Pentateuch or the Torah. So if you ever hear somebody in scholarship or even in a homily, you mentioned the Torah or the Pentateuch, it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And these tend to be books that are very uh, unapproachable to a lot of people in a lot of ways. I think Genesis and Exodus uh, people are okay with, right? I think near the end of Exodus, when they start getting into kind of laws and measurements, you know, you kind of start to lose some people, but people are like, I'm going to push through because the first half of the book was pretty good. Um, <laughs> and then once people get to Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, I think for a lot of people, 
a lot of contemporary readers, even myself, I'm not going to like lie and say, I think, you know, all of Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy is the most fascinating thing in the whole wide world. No, like there's parts of it where I'm just like, okay, all right. But I mean, they are extremely important texts, right? Because these books, the Torah, the Pentateuch, the Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, especially, uh, that's where we get so much background over uh, Jewish law and history and why things are set up the way they're set up. Uh, and so uh, they're extremely important books, um, even if they are kind of a slug, slug match to get through at times. Um, so I encourage you, if, if these books are intimidating to you, um, there are tons of great uh, commentaries, a, a very, actually an amazing, amazing resource uh, if you are interested in studying the Old Testament in general. So that, like all the books of the Old Testament is, is actually, the book is called A Catholic Introduction to the Old Testament by Brant Petrie and John Bergsma. Uh, it is a fantastic, I mean, I can't, I can't express how enough how good of a resource this is for Catholics who want to dive, have a deeper dive into each of the books of the Old Testament, uh, both uh, their background, a brief summary, how they're structured, uh, some brief interpretive options, and what, what the early church fathers taught about them, and then also what uh, are some of the debates surrounding some passages and some books. So uh, a Catholic introduction to the Old Testament, I'll make sure to put that in the show notes, order on Amazon. It's a fantastic, fantastic resource. Um, so, like I said, Torah, Pentateuch, universal acceptance amongst basically every single uh, Judeo-Christian community. I don't think, I haven't heard of at least any Judeo-Christian religion, sect who doesn't, who don't at least, you know, maybe they don't use, but they accept these first books as scripture. Um, and so uh, in the New Testament, a lot of times the, the Pentateuch or Torah was just referred to as the law of Moses. Um, so, or the book of the law. And so the, the law of Moses, right? you hear that a lot in scripture, um, the law of Moses, the law of Moses, the law of Moses. Why? Well, it's because until very recent history, um, people just, uh, they attributed the Torah, the Pentateuch uh, to Moses, right? To Moses. So uh, we have passages like Exodus seventeen fourteen. We read this. And the Lord said to Moses, write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalekek from under heaven. Um, so we know from internal evidence here that God commanded Moses to write things down, right? Moses, remember, grew up in the court of Pharaoh. He knew how to write. He was, he was an educated man. He knew how to write. He knew how to keep records. Um, the reason we know so much about Egypt is because Egypt uh, kept very good court records. And so Moses knew how to write. He knew how to keep records. And so uh, we also read in, in Numbers 33.2, that uh, it says, Moses wrote down their starting places stage by stage by command of the Lord. And these are their stages according to their starting places. So once again, Moses kept records of everything that they did, where they went, um, you know, he kept census, right? How many people were in each tribe? Who were the family members? Who were the descendants? Um, and so it, he, he wrote all these things down. And finally, we have, you know, Exodus 24, 4, we read, and Moses wrote all the words of the Lord. And then also Exodus 35, and the Lord said to Moses, write these words in accordance with these words, I have made a covenant with you and with Israel. And he wrote upon the tables of the words of the covenant, the 10 commandments. Right. 
So, uh, and obviously in Deuteronomy 2, verse 31, he says that Moses wrote this law, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, there's, there's a few different passages here um, that internal evidence that, that God commanded Moses to write things down. So the early church fathers, rabbis, they, you know, they said, well, it says in the Bible that Moses wrote this down. So we're going to assume that Moses wrote this down. And, and all throughout uh, Israel, Israelite history, it was just Moses wrote, Moses wrote it, Moses wrote it. Um, and so there's, I mean, in the you know, book of Joshua, we have reference to it as well. Um, but Josephus, who is a Jewish historian, you know, and even Jesus, Jesus said like that Moses wrote the law, right? <laughs> like, um, so God made man said that Moses wrote the law. So, I mean, I'm going to take Jesus' word for it that Moses wrote the law. Um, the, o- the only thing the only, I mean, the basic problem, right, with, with mosaic authorship is the fact that there are certain points uh, in the Torah that it would be pretty hard to kind of reason that Moses wrote. Um, what, do, what do I mean by that? Well, in, in Deuteronomy 34, um, we, we have a description of Moses' death, right? So did Moses, you know, write about his own death? Did he see it? Did he foresee it? Um, or, you know, was this somebody else that wrote this, right? Um, cause we also have Joshua's succession of Moses after his death in Deuteronomy 34. Um, and so once again, did Moses write that in advance before he died? Um, and then also we have Moses as the, you know, unequaled prophet in Moses and Deuteronomy 34. And then, you know, Moses is a pretty humble, meek man. We hear, we read. And so it's kind of hard to, to imagine, Moses writing about how awesome he was and how there's going to be no other prophet like him until, you know, the, for a long time, then eventually the Messiah is going to come. Um, so what's, what's then the solution to this, right? What do we, what do we as uh, faithful Catholics who believe what Jesus said that, you know, Moses wrote the Torah and Moses wrote the Pentateuch? Well, um, there's something called redaction criticism. And now this is a tool of the historical critical method. Uh, we don't get too much into the nitty gritty of the historical critical method on this podcast. Um, but in general, um, we have three different ways of approaching scripture, um, three different methods, if you will. Uh, and this is, these are broad stroke statements. So take it with a grain of salt, but method a is kind of how, uh, the church basically interpreted scripture. I mean, for the first 1900 years of the church, right? So that they read all of scripture in light of Christ um, they read all of scripture in light of his life, death, resurrection, his incarnation, um, which is, I mean, yes, we, <laughs> we should read scripture in light of Christ. Um, and so everything was, was read in that light. But then um, in the 16, 17, 18, 19th century, um, 20th century, 21st century even, uh, we have this, this introduction into what's called the historical critical method. And so this is the reading of scripture more as a historical or literary document rather than just a religious text, right? So uh, very interesting point. So we have something called the Society of Biblical Literature in America here. And uh, ironically enough, most of the scholars in the Society of Biblical Literature are, are atheist or agnostic. Most scholars in the Society of Biblical Literature are not Christians or Catholics because uh, it's a, it's, purely kind of an academic uh, historical literary approach to um, 
to the to scripture, right? So it's um, it's it'd be like I don't know if you guys ever went to college or if you're in high school or whatever, where you take like these like uh, history of religion courses where you have to read parts of like the Torah or parts of like uh, what Buddha said or anything like that. Um, I remember I had to take a course where I had to read uh, ancient like Chinese literature uh, about like the Monkey King and stuff like that. I, I mean, I barely remember it because. Uh, that was a very sleepy class, but anyway, um, and so it'd be like, it'd be approaching scripture as we would approach like those texts, right? More of a historical literary document. And so there's different tools that this method uses to interpret scripture. Uh, one of them being redaction criticism, namely looking at a book or a text of scripture and seeing all the places where it could have been edited or redacted later on. Uh, so that's method A. Method B is historical critical method. Or sorry, method A is, sorry, the kind of in reading things in the light of Christ. Method B, historical critical. And, and Joseph Ratzinger, a.k.a. Pope Benedict, the big dog, um, he didn't necessarily introduce this method, but he, he definitely spearheaded it. Um, it's called method C. So method C interpretation is using the tools that the historical critical method developed and reading them with the eyes of faith, right? So... Uh, the problem with method B is that it takes faith completely out of the equation. It takes the possibility of miracles completely out of the equation. For example, uh, when somebody from method B reads the multiplication of loaves and fishes, uh, and, it, and I'm not kidding, an interpretation that I've heard that is total crap, um, but that some people try to put out there is that, oh, what happened was, you know, when the crowd of 5,000 uh, saw Jesus and his disciples sharing the little food they had, they were inspired to share the food that they had secretly hidden away. And so the miracle was, you know, Jesus expressing generosity. It's like, that is total garbage. Like, that is not what the text says. Uh, but the reason they have to come to this conclusion is because the, for method B, miracles are impossible, right? Uh, because, so but because miracles are impossible, they have to find a different way of interpreting uh, this story. Uh, but so method C then takes some tools of the historical critical method, like redaction criticism, looking at potential edits, um, looking at uh, canonical criticism. So looking at scripture as a whole, uh, there's things uh, like Zitz uh, et Leben, which is a German term meaning signs of the times. So reading it in light of, um, you know, what would a Jewish person think or write about when they were alive, when writing this text. Um, and, and there's a, very, a variety of other methods as well. Um, and so, or uh, tools, I should say, within the method. And so Ratzinger, you know, presupposes method C, which is what I use, right? So in this, and if you've been listening to this podcast, you know, anytime I'm looking at scripture, I basically do this, right? I'm, I'm using various tools and methodologies in light of the fact that I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And I, I believe in the Nicene Creed, right? Um, and so I know God is real. I know Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. I know that there is one God in three persons and who has who that those three persons dwell in my soul through the miracle of grace that is baptism. Um, and so I then can use these tools and read scripture in light of um, my faith. And so using redaction criticism, then we can look at this problem of mosaic authorship, right? So we know, you know, early church fathers, basically all the rabbis, Jesus himself says Moses wrote the Pentateuch. And I believe Moses did write basically all the Pentateuch. But that doesn't mean, and it doesn't then exclude the possibility that there weren't later editors who kind of went in and added a few things here or there 
um, in light of what they knew at the time. Namely, is it totally implausible that Joshua, who wrote the book of Joshua, uh, then came in and, you know, added a little bit to the, the second law, namely Deuteronomy, uh, in order to kind of finish off the story? Well, no, that, I, mean, I don't think that would be illogical at all. I think that would rather be fitting to say that, you know, he came in and finished off Moses' story and gave praise to Moses, who was his mentor um, and who was a great prophet, right? And so, um, you know, also, I mean, St. Jerome even talks about how Ezra maybe did the editorial work, right? Um, so Ezra, uh, we read about uh, in the Old Testament. Um, and so, I mean, there's, and there's other, you know, different theories about, you know, rabbis coming in. Um, and so, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different things, a lot of different options that we could have. Um, there's this guy named uh, Julius Wellhausen with the documentary hypothesis. I think it's load of malarkey, but if you want to look it up, um, you can, it's, I don't really like Wellhausen, but we kind of have to know about him and study scholarship just because he changed things for historical critical method people. Um, so yeah, anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I think Moses wrote the Pentateuch. Um, I also think that there was later redactors and editors, whether it was Joshua or Ezra or some rabbis that might've come in and kind of finished off the story and made some edits. Does that mean they wrote all of it? No, I think Moses wrote the vast majority, if not all of it. Right. Um, and so it has mosaic origin at least. Right. Um, and so with all that being said, the Pentateuch, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant <laughs> books. Um, you should read it. Don't be intimidated by it. If you are, please, I mean, I really, I can't encourage you enough to get that, uh, old, uh, sorry, Catholic introduction to the old Testament by, uh, Brant Petrie and John Bergsma. It's fantastic. Uh, it's not super, academic it's very approachable but it is i mean slightly more academic side because you're diving into scripture more in-depthly uh, but it's very approachable and it's a great resource to have um, and also in the book they give you commentaries and other other resources if you want to dive even deeper into specific books um, anyway can't recommend it enough really encourage you to get it uh, hopefully this shed some light on the pentateuch those first five books for you the genesis exodus leviticus numbers and deuteronomy um, you know, we, we probably dive into some Bible studies over these uh, specific books or passages eventually, but it's really important to know just a general kind of outline of the Torah of the Pentateuch, because this is Catholics with Bibles and we need to know the whole Bible. I can't just do new Testament all the time because new Testament it is presupposing, you know, the old Testament. So we got to look at the old Testament at times too. Uh, so anyway, thanks for joining us on Catholics with Bibles. My name is Chase and we will see you next time team. God bless. Thanks again for joining me with Catholics with Bibles. My name is Chase Krause. Like we mentioned in the podcast, we do have a few guest speakers, uh, friends of the show coming back on the show in the next couple of weeks. So I'm very excited about that. So make sure you subscribe and you know follow us on everything. Leave a review, leave a comment because that helps people find us easier. Because right now, if you Google Catholics with Bibles, my podcast is not the first thing you're going to see pop up on that Google search, but we want it to be. But we need reviews. We need you to share, talk about it with your friends and your family. If you already have done this, you're awesome. You're the bomb.com. Keep it up. All right, y'all. That's all I got. God bless. Have a good one.